This is a show about facing fear, unlocking courage, and taking action. Courage isn't necessarily a daunting thing. It's going to give you more purpose. It's going to give you more drive. It feels like making a courageous decision is going to get you closer to who you aspire to be. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. And we just said, like, if this strategy is the Texans made by Houston, Houston's the priority. So let's start making merch that reflects H-Town H first, the club second, and we couldn't keep the stuff in stock. About four or five years ago, I interviewed a guy named Joe Belezzo. Joe's out here in San Diego. I mean, he's a badass. I mean, he's like a specialist in the ER doctor space, like emergency medicine. And he has pulled off stuff that no one's ever seen in the emergency room. And it's, it was an ECMO tool that saved a dying patient. And like, when you do that, the belief is through the roof and his team believes and in some odd, crazy way, when I think about the Houston Texans and I think about life before this <laughs> year, I mean, you had a, there was a serious emergency. There was a absurd emergency. This team was being rolled into the operating table. I mean, he would not be named with the quarterback fiasco. You had J.J. Watt retiring somewhere else, although I, I love how he, what he did and how he did it. He's a class act. Uh, you needed a new coach. Lots of changes in the front office. You come in as well. You you draft a pretty damn good quarterback, it sure seems. I mean, you're good, Doug. I've seen where you come from, but are you that good? Like, did you have a crystal ball that this is gonna happen like this? I'm I'm good luck, man. What can I say? I'm good luck. I didn't luck. know you're a le- you're a leprechaun. You know, I can I can be anything they need me to be as long as the paychecks roll, right? Oh man. Yeah. Well, I had to start. I I had to start there just because it's it's a really cool to see you know we we always say you know this is such a this is shameless like we always say courage brands win you know and and you're somewhere between a coward brand and a courage brand but in sports winning really does help winning sure help. i mean imagine you know i looked at last year and these poor fans in houston they saw zero wins at home zero oh and seven at home so you so let's 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 rewind Talk to me about when you were approached on the job. You know, you, you'd been in the other football, right? You'd yep, been in yep. football, football, the proper football. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you'd, you're the CMO of the LA galaxy before that you were at Philadelphia union. I mean, you've, you've been in sports for a bit. You were at Under Armour before that. And when you get the call or you proactively put yourself in a position to get the call, are you like, yes, NFL, I, I, Yes, I don't care that I was on the East Coast and now the West Coast. I will go where I need to go to put myself in a position to be successful. Like, walk me through all that if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's been a magical journey, right? And you were you were part of that journey in LA, right, where we first linked up. So, uh, I'll tell you this: being a sports marketer in America, and maybe you want to call it the pecking order, you know, whether it be formal or informal of that as a CMO in, in MLS, I felt through, especially through the work at Philadelphia Union, that, that I was a well-accomplished sports CMO. Uh, and then obviously took my talents over, over to LA to try to help them. And what you'll find within the marketing world in sports, whether it be peers or whether it be recruiters, 
you really feel the pecking order of like, oh, MLS, you're like the bottom, right? Oh, you could be a good marketer in MLS, but that doesn't mean you're a good marketer in the big leagues. And you would hear that time and time and time again through various sources, right? And for me, maybe it's maybe it's the Philly in me that built a giant chip on my shoulder, right? Giant chip on my shoulder. I was like, no, like it's actually harder to market in MLS than it is in these other leagues because you're fighting for mind share in the smallest growing sport. So part of it for me was maybe that that professional satisfaction of I got to make it to the NFL, right? For the snobbery that does exist within sports and the recruiting world, like, let me show, like, I can be desired at that level, right? Um, biggest league in America, arguably the world with Premier League, right? Like, let's show that I'm that caliber. So one was kind of my own thing, right? Two is, you know, as a fan, maybe my two sports are football and football. So as a, as a passion play, oh, right? Awesome. Like, yeah, I get awesome. to work in both footballs. Um, but third, I would say kind of how this recruiting process went is what this job was actually all about. And I know we're going to dig into this a lot when we talk about courage brands and, and our transition. But um, when I got the job spec, it didn't even name the team. It basically just said NFL team doing pretty strong in revenue, but they want to over they want to think about everything. They want to question who they are, their positioning, their belief system, how they manifest in market, how they relate to fans, how they brand, how they do all these things. And if you look at my career, whether Tom Under Armour. MLS teams, essentially what I do is like, I drive change, right? At the the end of the day, it's what I do over 20 years. I drive change and I help organizations think differently. And so when I saw that job spec, I was like, sign me up. That is, that is a job spec to have, right? Um, Check that NFL box, check that, you know, what I do, I'll change. Um, And then third was interesting when they finally told me the team, because all all your little setup here of like, woo, Texans been through some years, right? Um, As an NFL fan, I was like, wow, okay. Like, there's a lot of work to be done, right? And and that's exciting for someone like me. I was like, about to say, like, it's almost better, right? Than, yeah. <laughs> uh, right? Like, you know, one of your, well, I mean, maybe one of your Patriots now. But if you had a time machine Patriots five years ago, it's kind of like, wait a minute. the What do I, not, I know you like a challenge. And, it, and I'm sure it felt like, yeah, I could do something with this. Yeah. Big one, big one. And I think, you know, if you go through my interview process, that took a few months, whether it be with the president, Greg Grissom, or with our CEO and chair, Cal McNair, um, it, it proved very quickly they meant it. And they had started a change process well before they, they started trying to find an executive for marketing. Um, and they had essentially internally, unbeknownst to anyone, rebuilt the culture, rebuilt the philosophy, rebuilt what we believe in here. And they were just looking for the marketing person to kind of bring in and manifest it outwardly. So... Um, I can just tell you a perfect storm of all those things together, including the work that had been done for a year or two before I got here to reset culture and vision. Uh, you know, in the spirit of it's, it's not going behind the curtain the wrong way, but in the spirit of let's assume the audience doesn't understand how it's not their fault. Like they just show up on Sunday and watch a game, right? Let's say they don't really understand how the front office and football ops, like can you kind of pull out the old org chart and explain how, in a lot of organizations and sports, it's it's kind of two orgs attempting to close the gap on one. Can you just sort of like articulate these these universes? Yeah, regardless of the team I've been at, right? There's always the sports operations and business operations, right? And depending on sport, it's all structured differently uh, on the sporting side. 
but on the business side, right, typical setup, you've got a chief business officer or president, and under that is all your administrative functions, your revenue functions, your marketing comms, community functions, and all those things. And um, in your ideal org, they're all working together, right? They all have common vision, common goals, aside from just win games. Um, and they buy into culture. And there's not a separate football culture and business culture. And um, I think it's rare to find that. I think I found that here. I think the work that the organization has done and the, what the leaders have done and then all the change you're noting uh, between Nick Casario, bringing in head coach D'Amico Ryans and all these players, you just talk about massive transformation on football operations and business operations all at the same time and having kind of Cal McNair cascade that vision across both of us. It's just the perfect marriage of timing that you've got two very different functions, each rebuilding at the same time. That's special. That that tends to not happen. One tends to operate better than the other. One's set in their ways and one's not. And in this situation, you've got leaders across the board saying, let's create the new Texans under Cal's vision. It's crazy. Crazy good timing. No, look, I've seen it. I, I, I've i seen sports organizations. And I'm, look, I'm not here to call anybody out, right? But like the, the gap is real. The gap is real. And there's a lot of head nods and everyone says the right thing. But at the end of the day, the 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 athletic not the business at side it's the sports that's like at the end of the day we're the ones that are calling the shots and so it's really cool to hear here there's there's consistency everything we've we've learned about brand by the way right there, there's alignment there's consistency there's culture and you know uh you should know and the universe should know too it's tuesday november 14th uh, like i told my team no this 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 has to go this week this is going this week the story is too good and we're gonna we're gonna go live this week with this particular story, uh, and the reason I feel that way is like everything is line is lined up. Like Demeco Ryan's story is a great story. Here's a guy that was drafted by the Texans in the second round. Like he, I think he wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think he went to two Pro Bowls, and and it's odd that now you have to go look at the Raiders and you look at Antonio Pierce and his love of the Raiders, and it's like yeah this. When we talk about courage, we talk about knowledge, faith, and action. We talk about the faith, and faith is belief. And so here's a guy that believes, and he they believed in him, and they believed in him again. And how is that like, again, I know there's two, two universes here, but how is that sort of, are you feeling that energy right out of the oh, gate? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's amazing when you can actually work in an organization that can recognize how we help each other directly and indirectly, right? So if you look at what happened in our past season, as you, as you noted, our uh, win at home record, I appreciate you uh, starting that way, uh, but a rough year, right? Right. And then Come we on, win man. The last I had to start. We win the last game. Everyone says to lose the last game. It affects the draft, all those kinds of things. So fan sentiment, right. Ending last year is at a, as an all time low. Right. Um, so it's crazy to see that's where we were last January. And when we talk about how both business and football help each other, right. If we don't select who we select as head coach, you don't get that immediate bump and vibe from the fan base and city and endorsement and belief right away. Now, we could have gotten a, another very qualified coach, but for the fact he's one of our own, for the fact that he is already beloved by this city because of his performance to show up for H-Town back in the day, for the fact that, yeah, he's a young coach with a lot of swagger and confidence and People love his personality and endorse him from the jump. That gave us as the business side 
juice way earlier in the season to gain interest, to re-engage fans than necessarily waiting for April for the draft, right? So we were able to draft off two months of excitement with D'Amico being hired that we wouldn't have had otherwise if it was just another coach that may be a good coach, but not as familiar or endorsed or supported by the fan base, right? So then you see what happens in draft. And yeah, you know you're going to have picks. We know we're going to have a, a good amount of picks, but no one expected us to go two and three back to back. So then you could just see the avalanche of fan support and endorsement for those two guys, right, between between Will and CJ, not having played a pro snap yet. Head coach who hasn't been a head coach yet in the NFL, right, coordinator level. So without winning a single game since that last January, the amount of positivity that we'll, you know, we'll measure through sentiment, we'll measure through social media, we'll measure through PR capture that happened over two to three months because of football moves, incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. Our job as a business is to capitalize on that momentum when we have it, right? And we, and we sure as heck did, and we're going to continue to. So the, the two arc well off each other. And then if we kind of maybe flip that tail a little bit and say, how is the business helping football, right? Really, you can talk the brass tacks of, of the sports business, right? We're selling tickets, right? Because of too many prolonged years of not enough wins and some player stuff, you know, the, the stadium wasn't full for the past couple of years. Now we've sold out our first five games and, and it takes work. Like this isn't just like, oh, tickets are for sale and they, they, they evaporate between digital advertising, between all the emails, between having a group sales department, a full season sick department, all these people selling tickets. That's how we get the building full, Right. So now the players can come into a game day and within a year, the building's full again, right? So they feel that energy. They feel that excitement. That helps them play. That's the right environment. So that's how we help them. And then I got to put on my little marketing hat and throw some credit to the marketing team too, right? Like we're going through a rebrand. We're going through having new uniforms next year. And it's the first time the Texans have ever changed their uniforms. 20 plus years, first time. So now... You know, maybe we got a cool, badass, tough, swaggery look for next year that matches the persona of this young, swaggery team. So we uh, we were fortunate enough that we got to involve head coach D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario, uh, a handful of our players, uh, a lot of our legends in the co-creation process on the uniforms. So they they even kind of know what's coming so they can get that little that little extra bit of swagger when they dress up mm -hmm. on Sunday. Right. So. To me, it's been an amazing project of how all this is working together and in the right way. I'm curious, uh, you started when? Like, what, how was it? It was before draft. When did you get going? Uh, May of 22, so right after the 22 draft. Okay, so you show up and uh, you're, what was like the most important first step for you? Like, and by the <laughs> way, I'm, let me, let me just sort of give you a, an opportunity here to say, Look, you go through your career, you get a lot right, you get a lot wrong, it's messy, it's all an experiment. Like, I'm curious, if you take all that and you bring it together, you, you kind of have, like, your own playbook of, like, I have got to do one, two, three if I'm going to be successful. And so maybe was isn't that long ago. So I'm curious, when you come in, what, what did you absolutely know you wanted to make sure you got right? It's funny you mentioned the, uh, the playbook thing, because that's how I tend to think about these opportunities now and that. Uh, when you look at the sporting side of any organization, they expect the new coach and new GM to come in with a playbook, right? Here's how we're going to build the sporting side. Here's the personnel I need. Here's here's 10, 10 people from my last stops where I'm going to bring them over. On the business side, it's usually slow and methodical, 
right? Uh, and and to be honest, maybe because it's my third stop in sports, maybe it's my fourth that I'm just like, no, like I I know how to do this, right? The experiments of the past seven eight years have led me to a point where it's like, no, I know how to get this done and get this done in a quarter of the time that it took in Philly, right? Um, so I do come in with a playbook now, and I do look at key personnel, and I look at all these things the same way. And for us, again knowing what my brief was essentially through the interview process was first get the positioning and the vision, right? Where are the Texans going? Who are the Texans 2.0? And if you get that right, not to be so much full of brand smoke, but if you get that right, that drives your creative, that drives your content, that drives your digital, that drives your broadcast, that drives your community. It drives all those things. So I knew coming in the jump, we had to figure out what that was. And, and for me, maybe it's been also a change in methodology is a lot of people say, well, you know, fan insight is important, right? Fan, get, hear the hear the fans, and and of course I've bought into that over the years, and I've done it. But on this stop, it was day one. It was how do we talk to as many fans as quickly as possible? How do we hear what they're talking about other than just the wins and losses, right? And we had some pretty clear takeaways from talking to fans over the first thirty to sixty days at the at the organization. And what it really came down to is them saying like, "Y'all feel old, y'all feel dated." Y'all don't feel like part of Houston. Y'all don't feel like part of H-Town. And if you look at it, it made perfect sense because our marketing strategy for the first 20 years was centered around Texas football. Nothing to do with Houston. Nothing to do with the people. And there were some things we had to sort through here of like, we've been a very charitable organization. We've donated about $45 million over the past 20 years. And there was a thought at the time that that meant you represented the people and took care of the people, community, and culture. That's just money, Right. How does the club reflect them was where we were failing. So to me, like that first step, critical fan feedback, talking to fans, as many different fans, not just season ticket holders, how many, how, how quickly you can do that. Um, and, and I will say the only other big swing and change this time around was within that 60 days, I sat our president down and our, and our CEO and chair down. And I said, I have the answer. Let me make a pitch. I could yeah. spend eight to 10 months validating all this for you or i could do it in 30 days in a different way and well like lucky my pitch went well well i mean that is, i mean you know pull the Berman string here i mean that is courage right and we always talk about that now we're at the knowledge piece it's not not it's not faith in action without knowledge which is a reckless move you know you, you've been doing this a while right and i also like how you said you even you know you're talking about h town it feels anytime i've seen it go right just to use the two examples and the the from too right the from was you donate money which is really money goes down and you're like we did it versus the two is you have to integrate yourself in with the fans it's one and the same you're in it with them so as you think about i mean you've now been in houston almost uh, eight months almost a year months? and a half almost oh, oh yeah, yeah wow okay. you've been there a while okay yeah, yeah. so so <laughs> let's go um, nuanced on H town. Like when you think about, you know, persona world and then these, like the different, I don't know if you call them boroughs down there, my New York is showing, but like what, what talk me through a little bit of the, the different types of personas, the different types of communities. I want to hear a little, like the fun color of the city. Yeah. Yeah. When it, and it's fun is because this is what I heard from people, right? This is not Doug's interpretation of, of H town. Right. So there are a couple key themes of what people were telling us, regardless of what kind of fan or resident you were. One is a lot of cities say it, but I will say it is very true here is the celebration of diversity, right? We are 
arguably the most diverse city in America now. I'll challenge LA. I'll challenge New York any day, right? And it is celebrated here like no other. And you, you just feel it from the people. You can just feel the appreciation for it. And that diversity has very has become very tangible in the community when you look at things like the arts. You look at things like the food scene. You look at things like the music scene. And I point those out because when you talk about resident value, right? How do they value things in their community, in their city? It's it's a fascinating place. I'll give you a few examples. And let's talk about culinary, right? Um, someone in age time will value a backyard barbecue just as highly as a Michelin star restaurant. It's the same value, even though they're very different foods and experiences. It's just as important and valued. If we look at car culture, so, uh, you know, for all you LA guys, you know, I'll have some fun and say, uh, our drop cars are way cooler. They're called slabs. Slab is slow, loud, and banging. It's a 60s and 70s car, traditionally, that's dropped. It's got big spokes on it, custom trunks, just really cool candy paint, all that stuff. In H-Town, someone will value a slab in the same light they'll value a lifted pickup truck. Very different things, right? But just as equally valued. And that's another diversity show of how people can really appreciate the two. Use the music scene. Same thing of like, man, H-Town's got some music. We got Bon B. We got Paul Wall. We got Slim Thug. We got others, right? That's that slow, loud and banging. That's that chopped and screwed sound. Like, y'all know it. You're, we're similar age. We know it. That stuff was coming on in the 90s where we were living, right? Someone will value that the same way they'll value Parker McCollum country music in the same experience. They're equally as important. So for me, it's been a, a beautiful journey of how fans can articulate the diversity of the city and how they can actually point to cultural things that show their appreciation of very different things. And I think the last kind of unlocked magic thing that we learned through the fans and hearing it was, is kind of the, call it the, the sentiment or swagger or tone of the people of the city, right? Happened to be born in Philadelphia, so I'm more than familiar with the aggressive, loud Philadelphia, right? In H-Town, they tend to talk about it, the people, the community in two different ways, right? One is there's a little bit of chip on the shoulder because you're sitting in between Dallas, the LA of Texas, a lot of people will say it, and then Austin, you know, the, the creative capital of Texas, if not the United States. So then you got Houston in between that pulls from both of those vibes. We got creative culture, you know, we got the high-end stuff all in one diverse city. So, but Houston tends not to be in that conversation, right? So there's this good chip on the shoulder of like, we ain't Austin, we're not Dallas, we're better. That That's interesting psychology, right? Um, and then two is if you look at maybe the hardship side of things, there's been a lot of natural disasters that have happened here, right? Floods, winter storms, all these things. And this by, by no means, again, not my words, fans' words show a really different mentality about this community and that they'll look at themselves and then they'll look at New Orleans, right? Two hurricanes. Hurricane hits New Orleans and what happens? A lot of people from New Orleans come to Houston, right? To escape, right? Actually right next door to us in, in the dome is where they stayed, right? And you've seen tens or hundreds of thousands of New Orleans residents stay in Houston now, right? So Houston helped when tragedy struck New Orleans. When tragedy struck here with the storms and the hurricanes, what happened? Houstonians will tell you, 
we got this. We don't need outside help. We're yeah, good. We down. Yeah. My people, my people will come together. And that's also led to a really interesting psychology here of community in a different way. Right. So I'm kind of just recapping for you, like really cool stories over 30 days of talking to fans. But that, ex- that explains why the value of a Michelin star and a backyard barbecue are the same. Plus I'm sure that, that backyard barbecue, whatever you put on the grill, was started 24 hours in advance, <laughs> and someone was you up know. at. I do know, I do know, and that's it's cool. You know, it's cool to, to see in here. And by the way, by no means are we vilifying New Orleans or anybody that was. No, in no, no, no. That shit was real, uh, no doubt about it. Right. It's a, it's <clears> a, <throat> it's a good story just about the psychology of, of a Houstonian and how they view tragedy helping community, even if it's not your own community. And it's, it's, it's a really good lesson here. The chip on your shoulder, though, the and I'll call it even it's, we'll call it as a brand guy, as a writer, the silent swagger. It's a silent swagger. It's not totally silent, right? You got <laughs> nope. like I visually remember CJ getting drafted and watching him walk the tunnel. And you could see him thinking like you could see him processing. And it was sort of a combination of. Like if there was a cocktail of his emotions, I'm like, oh, he's pissed and he's pumped. He's both. Like he was pissed. He didn't go one. That's what I felt. That uh, is nothing, right? nothing to do with what happened in Carolina. I, what, what I saw was a guy ready to roll and ready to go. And it, it's so cool to see that that's that, you know, hashtag sound swagger that you could feel from him as he was coming out the tunnel. Um, all right, so H Town, you got, and again, the new brand, a new brand is coming. That's very, very cool. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Twenty-two years, the Texans have been around, and you know, it's you're so close to it, and obviously, you get like four percent of my brain because you know, like we're all busy doing our thing. But what, but when you said it feels like old money, one point Houston, that does make sense to me. But you could already feel the shift on the these. We're only as good as our choices. Right, so the choices that are being made on both sides, front office, uh, with the team, it's it's very very cool. So let's just you know, this is not a bad luck thing, but let's just say, let's just say, the club loses the next five games in overtime. Terrible thing to think. Terrible thing to think. Come, come on, come on. Anything's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. But I, what, my, the point I'm trying to get to is, your job gets harder. Your job gets harder. When the team doesn't win, right? Fair. It, it uh, harder, easier. The way the way we try to look at it, the business, the marketing, whatever it may be, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna take a long term losing product and make it be perceived to be all the way up here, right? Right. No different than the opposite effect. I've always viewed it and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's my first team job and our president, how he viewed it. And I really bought into it. It's like your job is just amplify the next level. If the team's here, get us here. If the team's here, get us here. If the team's here, get us here. And that's your job through the business function is to always elevate its current status. But, but you realize you're never going to do a pendulum swing on. So for me, yeah, the job does get easier or harder depending on wins and losses, because at the end of the day, Let's make fun of my past selling cell phones and selling cleats. Like we're dealing with an emotional product, right? Versus, oh, I got a new shoe or I got a new phone. So absolutely 
the job is easier when the team wins. It doesn't fix everything, which is what people also assume is like, oh, winning fixes all. You can see a lot of winning teams that don't have sold out buildings. You can have a lot of winning teams that aren't top in merch sales, a lot of winning teams, right, that haven't commercialized their business, a lot of winning teams where they're not the heart of the city. That's the business. Yeah, but I can see, you know, I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes. I'm like, you show up, <laughs> fire hose begins. You do, you know, I know how important business intelligence is to you. I know you're going to do your homework. I know you're going to have the data side figured out. You're going to extract what you need. I just, I just know from conversations we've had, but I also think, all right, let me think if I'm Doug and this isn't just Doug, right? This is the, this is the whole front office. This is all the leaders. There's an arc. There's this, there's, there's a three act play. Sorry to steal from LA. Right. But like, this is a three act play. Act one is learn as fast as possible. You've made changes. Get the positioning right. Get the vision right. Act two. Hey, maybe maybe we have a good year. We surprise some people. We certainly win more than zero games at home, right? Which you keep going back to that. <laughs> no, man. Okay, look. I want to make sure, in the spirit of love, all right. In the uh -huh. spirit of love, you guys are seventy-two points away already from scoring as many points as you scored last year, and you've got nine games to go. It's working. I'm not even here to be like, if Domenico's, <laughs> if he's listening, he's not a defensive coach. He's a coach, flat out, full stop. All right, so whatever brand, yeah, there, there, there's my cap tip and a little love. But I could see from your point of view, like, okay, clear progress in year one. Year two, you come out with new H-Town swag, right? You, you, you light the city on fire. It's so perfect. Like, again, I'm gushing because I know you, and what the world doesn't know is, you, like, your love of music. They don't know. They don't know that you play you know so you talk about diversity it's not just diversity it's also diversity like sport culture music food fashion and it sounds like all that's i mean it's like the perfect opportunity for you so year two you launch the yeah. swag you bring the swag you bring the swagger yep. yep year three you guys win the super bowl right i mean that, that's a better tune i appreciate that one yeah <laughs> yep yep all right well one of the things i know from our conversations you know, you've now been in sports organizations long enough where you can step back and, and you're trying to make organizations as efficient and as effective as possible. And I think in past lives you had, and call me out if I'm wrong on this, right? You were a chief marketing officer, but you're full brained. Like you understand creativity, you understand business. And so I know revenue was always important to you. It always asked, right? Hey, this doesn't make sense to me. If I'm going to do this, I need that. And for whatever reason, it was always blocked or it would never happen. It never happened as fast as you want it. But I see, you know, your title here, it sure seems like we're on our path, right? Marketing officer, ticket sales officer. Is that accurate? <laughs> yep. Yes. 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 All right. So yeah. in the interviews, what, what did you ask for it? Did you like, here's why I feel this way? Yeah. Um, Great question, and uh, maybe I'm I'm showing my cards even more. So uh, that's why so why I'm on with you. Um, through the recruiting process, I was just like the organization was very transparent about where they were, where they thought they might need to go, how receptive they might be to going places. I was really transparent in return, and and I had said like this, and this will be my third CMO stop. Um, my dream, my aspirations are to to run the business side one day. And eventually, I need to start working more on the revenue side for that to happen. Um, so, say, so, hey, Houston Texans, like, I'm so excited by this project as a marketer. But within two or so years, 
there has to be an opportunity to grow. Otherwise, hey, I did my job, handshake, and on to the next club, right? And, and the organization was in full support. They said, hey, just like your job is to come here and rebuild this brand and, and to catch this city on fire again, um, our job to you is to help develop you. Great handshake agreement, right? Um, and and I, got really, I got really lucky. I got really fortunate. We had a, an excellent ticketing sales executive who had been here since inception. And he retired over the summer. And in that process, that created opportunity. And the opportunity was with myself, the president, and, and Cal's is to discuss, you know, is, is there a possibility I can grow maybe a little bit earlier than we had discussed? And, and whether it be the body of work already or the body of work coming for next April, uh, they said, you've over-delivered what we asked you to do. So we owe you this opportunity as part of our handshake agreement to develop you and to build your career. So again, amazing things from what you saw in a job spec of what this organization was trying to do and how, whether it be big picture for the fans, the city, the team, or whether it just be my own little personal world, how they're delivering all of that. So yeah, over a couple of months, I've been given the opportunity to also join the ticket sales department. And, and that's been a really fun ride too, to kind of lead change, but in a very different way, <laughs> you know, leading change in marketing, leading change in ticketing is very different. Um, so it's been a, it's been an awesome couple of months and, and this is just an organization, man. You can feel my love for it, just how they're looking at me the same way I'm looking at them. I mean, look, all we want, right. Is to be seen and valued. Yep. And, and, you know, if you add that equation up, there's trust and in the spirit of the football fans that are listening to this conversation and by no means is the metaphor perfect. Cause I'm not, I don't. I don't see you as a seventh round pick, but when you have like a seventh <laughs> round pick on special teams, right. Who's doing their job over and over again. You, and is, a, is also a middle linebacker. You, you next thing you know, you have to have the courage to make that person a middle linebacker. And I, and again, I love that you've asked for it. And I, I, I honestly think the lesson of the pod is one, always be yourself, never play politics, Right. Like if you're going to ever see if you have a, a long game with a company, just be yourself, because if it works, there'll be more opportunities and then you can just stay yourself. I see people all the time think they have to play this game. They play the game and then they wonder why they've hit a ceiling versus just keeping it transparent and keeping it real, which means you need to know yourself. So that's cool Two, Awesome to see the other side of it, like that they you've had the courage to be like, hey, there's pill a or pill b right like do we want to do this over nine months or here's my take i've seen enough of this now where let's try this at least and they're like yeah let's go speed does still matter um yeah all right yeah, Give that, me, that, yeah. i was gonna say to that to that point um let's break down the sports world i'm going on a tangent for you real quick right uh because when you get when you sign on and the culture has been reset and there's giant words on the wall that says fearlessly evolve Challenge everything. Hey, Doug, we got a 50-page culture book. Just remember those two things, right? You, you kind of feel the liberty going swinging, right? So when you, we take a step back and say like any sport, any sport that wants to make it crystal clear to the fan base in the city that we are new and different, there's not that many levers we have. If you really think about the business, you know, one is on the player side, the superstar effect, Right. You get a bunch of superstars in, it changes perception immediately, right? Um, we won't call out certain players, but you, you've seen superstars go to other teams and they don't perform. 
And then all that gamble they thought was going to be upside equity is gone. Right. So it's not a given. It's a gamble. Right. Or we can say as our model is we believe in young players with a ton of upside. Right. But that's a while to build all the way up. You know, CJ is obviously getting it done real fast so far. Um, but you go in thinking we're building. Right. It's going to take a while. You know, two is you win championships. You win a championship, changes perception. All your fair weather friends, all, all your casual fans, everyone gets on board. Right. That's a lever, but it's a gamble every year. Even to your point, we won zero games at home last year. It's always the goal, always the goal to win a championship, no matter what team you're, what, what sport, what team, right? Championship effect changes every third, and maybe it's from our time in LA together. Like you build a new stadium, perception has changed overnight. Remember the Rams at the, you know, at the Coliseum and how empty that building was? They rebrand, they relaunch, they build SoFi, and it's the place to be, right? So you have three massive levers that are true to any sport. Those all take time, three, five, 10 years, right? In a rebuild. The fourth is where the marketing people come in and they go, if you show up different on court, if you look different on the field, if you look different in the community and you do it in a big way, that's your last lever. And this organization said, we're going to pull all four over the next five to 10, but we can pull this uniform thing now, pull it. And that's fascinating, right? For an organization that hadn't changed in 20 years, backing up Fiercely Evolve, backing up Challenge Everything, and with the support of the CEO and chair all the way through, pull that lever. And that's how we end up in this place. Like, if you think about it, rebrands, new uniforms, typically take three plus years between the brand work, between all the Nike, Adidas, whatever process. We're doing it in a year and a half. And that's because, honestly, we went in with a, Fast plan, clear insights, clear vision. And on it, we, we got the we got the NFL and Nike so excited about what we were doing. They're like, how do we move mountains to get done faster? So for me, like I'm going a bit of a tangent here, but when you talk about change and talk about sports, we're all working with those same four variables when you need massive change, when you need that bat signal that a fan can go, oh, Texans, you're new, no doubt in my mind. So really cool to be at an organization where you can look five to 10 years out, say all four levers pull. And what we do now, no hesitation, pull it, go uniforms in 2024. You know, I'm 1500 miles ish from Houston, but I can feel it from here. You know, that it is a little like a tectonic shift. And I think tectonic sounds galactic, but like, let's not forget. These are like slow planks that are moving slowly. And then, boom, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the earth shakes. And I guess I got to ask the question, merch must be up though. Merch must be through. like, where are we on the, I know we're changing, but give me the merch update. Where are we in the top five, top three? Uh, you sure? know, let's, we, we, we can't go NFL rankings, but I'll, I'll just give you some of our, our of, of our own data, right? Uh, on a typical game now, we're up 30, 40% every game. When you look at your, for your comp, you look at 12 historicals, um, but you saw the draft. We doubled our draft day merch sales, training camp, tripled our training camp sales. Now 30, 40% of every single game. And yes, because CJ has been playing his mind out. We can't keep the jerseys in stock. I bought every blank I could find from Nike to make them here. Like we're cranking through. So, so yeah, you're seeing the immediate dividend on the merch, but I actually will go back if I can, like go back one additional year, go back the first season here. We were beating year-over-year comps that year. To your point, we didn't win at home. Typically, that doesn't happen, right? You lose every game, fans buy less, 
right? It's just how it is. But even going back to the 2022 season, we started launching, call it lifestyle merch. We started selling merch with an H, an H-town. And the, and the bullhead was tiny, be on a little sleeve somewhere on a jock tag instead of typical sports, a giant logo. And we just said, like, if this strategy is the Texans made by Houston, Houston's the priority. So let's start making merch that reflects H-Town H first, the club second. And we couldn't keep the stuff in stock. Every single game, shirts, hoodies, tees, hats, every single color imaginable. So we actually started that avalanche last year and carried into this year. And now we got, yeah, we got a lot of buzz going behind it as well. And then obviously uniforms and everything next year. So it's a great three-year run at a very tangible, quantifiable thing of merch sales do show fan interest. Well, what a fun ride, man. I'm I'm happy to know someone who's in it and on it and on the rocket ship. And, you know, look, I I don't know the defense. I'll acknowledge that. I know the coach is, def- like, is known for that. But let's also give some love to the receiving core. You know, I think uh, when you think of Nico and Tank and Noah, nobody gave them much love either. And here they are all, like, dominating and performing <laughs> really, really well. Right, so it's it's CJ and, and company. I'm sure CJ would be the first one to say that. Obviously, the tight end as well was from the LA of of Texas, right? Who moved over. So <laughs> it, it it it's cool to watch, man, and keep it going. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Kind of take us home. Is there like a last last thought you want to leave the listener? And I'll I'll say this as sort of a setup as you're thinking about it. When I think about our usual guests, I think there's sort of three that we get. I think one we get that proactive leader often an entrepreneur it's very lonely to be them they're doing what they can they want to push i think second is somebody on the up and up they it might not be first job but they they have it they've got it in them they're curious right they want to be great maybe they haven't found that mentor or that like leader who can give them their opportunity but they're they're learning. They're constantly learning. And they may look at the podcast as a learning opportunity. And then I think the third group is probably like the topic du jour, right? So the topic du jour is like, oh, NFL. Like we had Tim Ellison earlier this year. Now you're here, right? It might be sports fan. So like they love sports. Maybe they're from Houston. They're from H-Town. So knowing that those are the three main personas, how would you take us home today? How would I take it home? That's a that's a great curveball for me or audible, whatever you want to call it with your sport. Um, those are really interesting archetypes. And I would say, let me do a quick self-assessment. Is I'm probably a little bit of all three. And that it took me quite a long time to realize that and to accept that. Um, we are all confident business people, but we're all human, right? And it takes us a while to have that self-awareness and self-assessment of who we are. And if you know who you are, you can find your right culture and the right organization to help you blossom. Right. And I probably didn't know that till very later in my career to be able to say, this is who I am. I lead change and leading change is tough. Anytime you lead change in an organization, maybe to your archetype, number one, half the people are going to despise you because you're changing their world. Right. Half the people are going to love you because they're eager for change. And it's probably taken me to my third stop in sports to go, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if half the group doesn't like me. And I'm okay as long as we get better. And I've got some really fun, great stories of some of the people who've joined me here in Houston that 
maybe some of those people even were people at my former teams who didn't like me for the first year or two when I got to their organization. And when we had opportunity here, they were one of the first phone calls to be like, Doug, I can't wait to work with you again. I'm excited. And if you marry those people who've been through the system with a lot of the stars we already had here, you end up building an awesome employee culture of a lot of diverse thought, a lot of different expertise. And although maybe not everyone's three archetypes, everyone's one of them. So to me, it's, it's really, it's really interesting people science as I get older and I can be more self-reflective of who I am and, and who, who, who's my crew, right. And who are the staff and what are all the strengths and weaknesses? So, um, great question to wrap. And, uh, as the mid 40 year old, we, I don't know, I'm in my head a lot and I think a lot about who I am and where I'm going. So I'm going to start using your three as my next, uh, my next one. To noodle on. Well, I, I see myself in the same camp, you know, I, I think I'm all three as well. And it's funny, the more, the more we work with different cultures, you know, pull the Ryan Berman string, I'll say the sole goal of leadership is believership. And when it comes to believership, you're even making believers or fake believers, right? <laughs> and fake believers, they don't walk around the office with a t-shirt that says fake believer. They just nod and smile and collect the paycheck and then you walk away and they roll their eyes. And usually the, the believers that you make early, it's like 20% and you got 80%. Maybe they're not a fake believer, but they're kind of just waiting to see what happens. And so I'm not surprised to hear there was a few people. Now they know the playbook. We're back to that. They know how you operate. They know you're not going to lose a lot of time and be like, this is who I am. This is me. Not that you're not evolving, right? You're constantly assessing who you are. And I think that's great advice and great feedback for anybody that's listening. And if you feel like, ask yourself, if you really feel in your heart, you're a fake believer where you are right now, why? Why? And as you look at the next opportunity that you go to, what do you need to know before you say yes? Because I think, the, what do we learn in marketing? Design a life, pick a lane, stop trying to be all things to all people. And usually good things will happen if you're unapologetic about that. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be an asshole, but like pick a lane and go. And it's so cool to see. And I'm like, obviously this is just like, this whole hour was like, I just want to come to a game for free, Doug. I mean, that's really what this come is on all already. about. All right, man. Let's I'm go. In. Come on. I want to, I want to, I want to go to a barbecue. <laughs> I want to see a game. I want to. You got to ride in a slab. Slab to slab. Baby. Yep. Yep. And let's go see yep. some yep. music. It's on. And now, and now I'm going to make you hand out courageous t-shirts that say believer and fake believer and see which ones you you hand out to who. So I'm going to hold you to that when you come. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This concludes the Courageous Podcast. Right. Doug, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. See you again next week.